intellect, strength for your spirit, balm for your heart. The Healing and Peace Show with Thomas Schmier, LMFT, where you get wise counsel based on sacred scripture, sacred tradition, and sound science. The Healing and Peace Show, your Catholic guide through the trials of life. Are you a Catholic single who wants to date in a Christian way? but has no clue of how to go about doing so in a world that can so very often seem unchristian. Or you may be a parent who wants to instruct your children in how to approach yeah. from a truly Christian perspective. Either way, today's guest can help you. He's a Catholic priest in the Diocese of Maryland and the author of several books. Most importantly, as pertains to, to, to today's show, he is the author of the book, formerly known as Christian Courtship in an Oversexed World. Father Thomas Morrow, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Thomas. Yeah, and the name of the book now is Christian Dating in a Godless World, but it's the same book. Same book. And what was the reason for the change? Um, I got a new publisher. <laughs> publisher, yeah. I, I, I kind of prefer the word courtship, but uh, they were very in, insistent, so... Uh, we went with Christian dating. And how about um, the change from oversex world to godless? Godless world. Well, that was, uh, they had another idea that I thought was no good. So I put this one in instead and they accepted that one. Yeah, that's the how it is times. Godless world, yeah. Well, I found you maybe 13 years ago, probably longer ago than that. And so that was back in the days when you would dial up for your internet connection. And I dialed up and there weren't that many websites out at that time. And I found cfalive.com, which I think stood for christianfaithalive.com. And I found great products, not just your book, and here's the one formerly known as uh, Christian Courtship in an Oversex World, but I found this great uh, tape set. Do you remember this? Oh yeah, we did that. Yeah, many years ago. And when you open it up, there's these cassette tapes inside of there. And I loved it. Right. And, and also on the website were uh, all these little cassettes that I could purchase on topics like virtues and skills for marriage, divine mercy and Sister Faustina, uh, the mass source and summit, lust, enemy of truth and love. And, you know, this really fed me as I was a, a single uh, looking you know, to discern my vocation and hopefully uh, get married, which did happen. Um, are any of these lectures of yours available? Is cfalive.com still there or how can people find these things? Well, yeah, we still have the website. Um, but uh, I, yeah, there are some. We did a uh, courtship on tap and I think that's available on our website. And uh, some of our uh, talks are available on YouTube. So if they put my name in, they can, they can uh, okay. hear those talks. Do you have your own channel? No, uh -oh, we don't. You don't? Okay. Wow, that's great, though. You can get it on YouTube. It's so much easier these days. The, so in the book, you talk about the, the four loves. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah, it's important to understand because in English we have the same word for four different things. In Greek, they have four different words. And the first and most important one is agape. And that's uh, giving of self for the good of the beloved, 
without conditions. And that's the way God loves us. There's no conditions on his love for us. He's always concerned for our good, no matter what happens. He's not going to reward us for if we're not good, but he's, but he's always going to love us and be concerned and always going to take us back. So uh, that's, the, that's the kind of love that a husband and wife have to have for each other. And that's what makes a marriage work, is always being concerned for the good of the spouse and working for that. And the second one would be friendship. Friendship is extremely important, but that's a human love. The first one is divine, and friendship is a human love. And it's usually based on sharing um, similar interests or seeing the same truth. And uh, it's a very important uh, human love. In fact, the Bible speaks very, uh, very profoundly about the importance of friendship. And then uh, there's emotional love, eros, uh, which uh, is not what Freud said it was. Eros is a desire for the good, the beautiful, and the true in the other person. It's a desire, but it's really, it's for, for myself, though. It's for me. It still can be selfish, but uh, it's better than just a desire for sex in another person. That's, that's, that's different. And then uh, the, uh, let's see, uh, we have agape, we have friendship, we have eros, and we have affection. Affection is extremely important in courtship and marriage. And in fact, what I do recommend in the book is that couples uh, are able to share affection without having sexual activity. Uh, and if they do that, their marriage will be that much better because they will be trained in affection. And a lot of married couples do not realize that affection is a beautiful language of love in itself. Yeah, I agree with you totally. Uh, this is what I see him as I do therapy with some couples, is that if, if the husband is affectionate towards the wife, then she thinks, oh, he wants sex because exactly. it's always connected to sex. Yeah, yeah. And that so, causes trouble. Right. Yeah. So practice And actually, uh, uh, a number of... Uh, um, Married couples, uh, married wives, I uh, was talking to once and I said, you know, if I were married, I would want to share affection with my wife and, and the, the, the ladies, and these are daily communicants to their husbands. Some of the husbands were daily communicants. And they said, oh no, Father, when they, when they get affectionate, we push them away because we think they want to have sex. So um, that's an impoverishment because affection is a beautiful language in itself. I agree with you. And that was a big understanding for me you know, when I read your book, was it about storge, the, the I think, Affection, yeah. Greek that's word. That's the right word. That's the Greek word, yeah. And so that's something I hadn't known before then. And I used to think if you're dating, one person sits on on the couch or, you know, and someone else sits in, in the in a chair and you, you don't you don't touch at all. And so to learn that affection was good and to hear it from a priest was a big deal. Uh, do you have some examples you can use maybe from your book or from your talks of yeah. how people yeah. go about doing this while they're dating. Yeah, John Paul II, by the way, has virtually the same thing to say in his book. And I do quote him quite a bit in my book, uh, in his book, Love and Responsibility. But uh, yeah, okay, lots of hugs. I encourage uh, couples um, that are going on a date to hug three or four or five times during the, during the date. And uh, they can hug two or three times in a row if they want. Uh, but uh, but I recommend uh, only a little bit of kissing, uh, maybe good night kissing, standing up, less than a minute, and um, and not heavy kissing, not not these heavy, but very sweet, tender, gentle uh, kisses, and um, 
the women, I mentioned that to a group of women once. They said, Father, we like that. Are there any men to do that? And I said, well, no, you may have to train them, but men are trainable. We are, we are trainable. So uh, um, affection is, is so important. And I, I find, I have couples, you know, uh, do you guys hug each other, you and your spouse? Oh, no, he doesn't hug me. I said, well, he's a Sicilian. Of Sicilians are supposed to be very uh, affectionate. He, he should be hugging you several times a day. So um, this is a, an important training for a good, healthy marriage is to be able to hug a lot. And also, well, one um, young man used to uh, uh, lie on the couch with his head on the lap of his girlfriend. And as long as you stay in that position, he's holding her hand, kissing her hand, talking to her. That's a beautiful way to share affection. And the nice thing about that is you're, you're touching for a long time. And that's what we want. We want intimacy. Um, pleasure is good, but it's not as good as intimacy. And um, so it, it's important that, uh, that we develop that deep sense of personal intimacy, not, not sexual intimacy, but personal intimacy, that we are close to this person. And we, when we're together, our hearts rub against each other uh, in an affectionate way. That's so extremely important that, that uh, intimacy. That makes sense. It, I've noticed I, I was using that word intimacy a lot. And, uh, you know, when I was writing for singles many years ago, and one concern was people, when they say intimate, they mean sex. You know, I noticed exactly. with my couples, you know, they'll, they'll say when, when we are intimate and they meet, that's their code word for sex. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, it, it doesn't need to be the case. Uh, we, there is a wonderful intimacy that's personal, that involves the whole person, and uh, especially uh, focuses on the mind and the heart. I like that. And then and you mentioned how to run a basically a young adult group or a singles, a Catholic singles group in a church. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? Well, um, in my early priesthood, uh, the parishes that I went to, sometimes they had a young adults group and they were co-ed and um, they would last for a while, but then some of the people would get married and then it, 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 didn't, it didn't continue and it, and it became a bit of a lonely hearts club. So what I tried as an experiment many years ago, this is like 25 years ago, is to have single sex groups because I had seen a group in California uh, Southern Cal, uh, by the name of the Spinsters, who had their own women's group, and it was not a religious group. But they, were, they were really cool women, and uh, I got invited to one of their events uh, as on a blind, blind date, and I said, well, we'll try that, because see if it works. And well, the women went for it right away, and so uh, that group flourished, and then <clears throat> I always uh, tried to pick, you know, the women after Mass, uh, in the weekday Mass, that were look sharp and you know look nice, and so uh, some of the men saw the women and said, "Father, we'll start a men's group if we can get invited to the, some of their stuff." So they started a men's group and they, and they carried the ball beautifully. That was uh, I was surprised that the men picked up the ball and ran with it. Uh, they would celebrate feast days, and whenever we had a feast day, we'd have 5:30 mass at the cathedral, and then both groups would get together and go out to dinner after. And also the women at one point when there was no men's group. They would uh, have arranged to have uh, to meet at the 11:30 mass at the cathedral, and then they would invite uh, approved men who were good Catholics. Uh, maybe they weren't interested in marrying themselves, 
um, but they thought they would be good spouses for somebody. And so we would go out to, to brunch after after uh, after mass, and uh, that was a big hit, a big hit. We had some uh, good connections made that way. And those were weekday masses usually. No, that was Sunday. Sunday. That was, uh, the brunches were Sunday. The feast days, yeah, they were 5:30 p.m. and we go to dinner after. Yeah, and also these guys, they picked up the ball and they they would have uh, events for uh, the birthdays of each other, and uh, so they, and many of them have stayed friends uh, for over 25 years, because they had something really good in common, the love of Jesus, and we didn't we didn't play any games. Um, on one trip we went on, a couple of the women told me that uh, one one of the women said, you know, Father insists on making chastity part of this whole thing. And, the other, and she said, I don't know if it's going to work. And the other one said, I don't know if it's going to work either. But uh, they, they hung with us. And um, after a while, they were both into chastity. And uh, so that was that was one of the important things that we promoted in the group was uh, chastity. And, um, and I've been thinking recently about this fact that a lot of women in, in our world, and especially in our country, they uh, they feel like there are no men that were willing to, are willing to be chased. And that's not the case. Now, it's true that there are fewer men that want to be chased than those who don't. But uh, there are men out there. And But it's a whole different culture. If you want to get into a, a Christian culture or a Catholic culture, um, then you're going to have a much better chance of meeting someone who is into chastity. So it's a little, it's like a different track. There's a, there's a world's track, and you go to pubs, and you go to bars, and you meet people and stuff. But then there's the Catholic track, where you meet people on, let's say, uh, Abbe Maria Singles or um, Catholic Match or or at a pro-life group, you get some of the best Catholics at pro-life groups. Or at a good Catholic wedding of somebody who's hardcore Catholic, mm-hmm. you're going to have some really good Catholics at those weddings. So uh, women need to realize that they don't have to put up with this because a lot of women say, well, Father, this is all there is out there. And I said, no, that's not true. No, there's a whole different group of people, but it's a little bit more difficult to, to find those people. And when I was dating, um, before I got uh, ordained, long before I got ordained, um, I always figured, well, I'll try to meet somebody that I like, and then we'll see if she's Catholic. And I had it backwards. What I should have done is gone to places where I would meet a Catholic and then see if I liked them. And um, that is a much better way to approach it because the, the, the marriages of people that are uh, strongly religious have a much higher uh, percentage of success than those uh, where they're not so religious, or maybe one is religious and the other is not religious. So it's extremely important to be able to have that in common. And um, there are, I mean, it is possible to meet somebody who's uh, a strong Christian who's not a Catholic, but the chances are 85% in my, from my experience that if you're going to have somebody that's going to help you get to the kingdom, you need to marry a good, strong Catholic that's going to support you in your faith and um, work together to get into the kingdom. Makes absolute sense to me. Uh, to me, your words are like gold. I can just, I remember being single and there's just not a lot of information out there. So I just, to be bringing this out right now for my audience right now, I'm just really excited about it. Um, now, in your book, you mentioned uh, finding Mr. Right and finding Miss Right. Is is some of what you said? Is that what's in that section, or is there something else? No, there? this is some thoughts that I've had after because I've worked with uh, single people, 
and um, tried to help them realize that the, there is this whole other way of living. Um, Armina, our our youth minister, she uh, went. She graduated from uh, Franciscan University in Steubenville. Well, she had all her social events that she went to were sponsored by uh, Franciscan students or by um, uh, the uh, uh, the college out there in, in Front Royal, um, Christendom College, and various other solidly Catholic schools. So these were the, the events that she was invited to. She ended up meeting a guy who was a daily communicant, a really sharp guy, and had a great job. And now they have like four kids, and they're doing really well. But uh, it just shows that you have to be in the right place, and you have to know where you want to be, and uh, have your, your head on straight. Now, one girl young girl uh, in New Jersey, she uh, went on one of the dating services and she put in her pro profile, I would like you to read this book, Christian Dating in a Godless World. And after you read it, let me know if that's where you want to live. And uh, But if you, if you don't read it or if you don't want to live that way, don't call me. And so this one guy did, he responded to her and he said, yeah, that's the way I want to live. And so they dated and um, um, they, get, they ended up getting married a year and a half, two, two years later or whatever, and they just had their first child. So that's one way of cutting through, you know, all the explanations of how you want to live and making it clear that, you know, I don't want to play games with this. This is the way I want to live. I'm seeing themes. I've interviewed Christopher West and David Sloan, and I know you know who both of them are. I'm hearing the same thing. Uh, David Sloan. Uh, met his when he met his wife gave her a copy of Love and Responsibility and great read that same kind great. of idea. and then for for my wife uh, her father had given her Love and Responsibility and great. then uh, also on her on her profile we met online on CatholicSingles.com and she okay. said if you don't believe in all the teachings of the Catholic Church don't contact me. And then I, I knew that's, that's the one to contact. <laughs> so it's, yeah, and that, that's smart because then you don't play games and you're upfront and you don't have to worry about it because you said, you know, this is what I said. You know, so I hope you're going to stick with it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I love it. Is What does it say in your book about Mr. Right, Miss Right? Finding Mr. Right, finding Miss Right. Well, uh, the first thing is you don't ask them if they're a good Catholic. Because if you ask somebody if they're a good Catholic, they may, have, may not have set foot in the church for 10 years. Now, well, I'm a good Catholic, yeah. I'm a great Catholic, yeah. But they're not. So what you do is you observe and you see what's going on. But, I mean, in the age in which we live, it would be a good idea to talk about chastity. And um, if, if they don't want to have the person, you know, read the whole book, um, they can go on our website and we have kind of a summary. Of, uh, of living chastely. Uh, and our website, as you mentioned, is C is in Catholic, F is in faith, alive, cfalive.com. And we have a little summary on, uh, on how to live uh, chastely in, in a courtship. But it's worth it because um, you, there's all kinds of issues that come up. And what happens is that if couples have sex before marriage, then their uh, likelihood of divorce increases considerably. I think it goes up 70, 
3% for women and 64% for men, it, it increases. But I heard uh, recently a talk by Rick Warren, who's, uh, whose talk I think is probably on YouTube, Finding the, the, the Love of Your Life or something like that. And he said that uh, those that, uh, the, the national average divorce rate is one in 2.5, which is about 40%. It used to be higher, but now it's a little bit lower. Uh, but he said uh, the divorce rate for those who are praying together and going to church together every week and uh, reading the Bible together, I would say also reading the saints together or whatever, um, the divorce rate is something like one in 1100. So it's amazing if you get somebody that's really into God. And if you really want to be saved, that should be the most important thing. Yes, it seems like if you, you can either marry someone who's not that into God and be kind of dragged down, or you can marry someone who is into God, and then you can unify and be a great force, not just to give to one another, but also have a lot of energy to give to the world. Right. And some people say, well, I'm dating this guy, but I'm, I'm going to, you know, he's, I'm going to make sure he gets converted. Well, if you want to convert people, I don't recommend you marry them. You could become a nun or something, and you can convert people better that way. <laughs> uh, but you don't want your, your marriage to be an evangelization program. That's not what it should be. So you need to get somebody that's going to have a high probability of helping you get to the kingdom because that's what we're here for. You also talk about enjoying your, your singleness in the book. Right. Yeah, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Okay. People need to realize that, uh, that when you're single, you have more time than you'll ever have in your life to uh, connect with God and to uh, pray every day. Um, I recommend at least the rosary every day, um, getting to daily mass. A lot of our uh, St. Lawrence Society, St. Catherine Society members of this group that I told you about, a lot of them go to mass every day. Mm -hmm. And um, so they're, they're really into the faith. They pray uh, and they read about the saints. So uh, this is, you know, this is ideal uh, for, to be able to do this when you're single and to also to trust in God enough to say, Lord, I know that I'm not single just because of some freak of probability, but that you have a plan for me and that you have, you have planned this exactly the way it should be. So I trust you and I'm going to um, be open to you to follow you and to, to find someone that will honor you and help me honor you. So um, it's, it's so important that, that we uh, single people have that attitude and not be uh, obsessed with getting married. Um, because basically, if we're obsessed with getting married, if that's the most important thing, then we're putting God in second place. And we're saying, God, you're not enough. But God is enough. And uh, we have to trust him and we have to let go of everything, including our second most important thing, and that is our affection, uh, vocation to become married. Presumably, you know, if people are inclined to marriage, and that's what their vocation is likely to be. Although in my case, I was looking for a wife for 12 years after college. And uh, God surprised me and said, I want you to become a priest. And I said, are you sure? I've been looking for a wife. But he it stuck with me. And so I, uh, so I, I pursued that and was ordained in 1982. So that points to something that I believe, which is that our vocational formation isn't that different 
pre-seminary or or pre-getting married. We really, we're all called to holiness. Exactly. So we should be going, trying to go to daily mass if we can, and reading the saints and things like this. Yeah, and I've had a lot of luck with people that have come from spiritual direction, and they've I've said, uh, well, if you come from spiritual direction, uh, I'll be happy to help you to steer the ship, but you've got to get the fuel. I said, would you be willing to try to go to mass every every day? And, uh, or are you going to Mass every day? And if they say no, I said, look, um, here's a suggestion. What I want you to do is I want you to pray to God. Lord, if you'd like me to go to Mass every day, please arrange it. Because my schedule or whatever, I, where I live or whatever, it just doesn't make it possible for me now. But if you please arrange it, I'd be appreciative. And in almost every case, within one year, their job has changed, their residence has changed, and they're able to go to Mass every day. So that's the kind of prayer that God likes to answer. And it's a very simple prayer. And you don't even have to say, I want to go to Mass every day. You say, if you want me to go to Mass every day, please, would you arrange it? And things, things get changed. God, God works that, ma that magic for us. Thank you. That's a good idea for me. I'm going to pray that prayer. <laughs> Absolutely. I like it. And it's yeah. thy will be done. You know, that's you it. Open it will be done. You want me to go. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Mass is the highest thing we do as Christians. Yeah, I noticed, you know, I, I have your one, a tape of your lecture, you know, the, the source and the summit. Is that kind of related to what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. The Mass is the source and summit of the Christian life. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it's way off the charts. I'm so glad. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. I'm glad to hear that from a priest. Uh, um, when I, I was discerning which vocation to go into, I was thinking basically that what, what makes a priest different than a lay minister? And to me, it's that he celebrates the sacraments. And Amen. with with the Eucharist being, you know, perhaps the most important sacrament, it's kind of hard to rank them. And, right. Uh, now the, the Mass is bigger than the sacrament of the Eucharist, okay? The Eucharist is part of the Mass, mm. but all the sacraments put together are not equal to the power of one Mass, okay? Wow. So the Mass is just way up there. And there was a guy in my first parish who used to come to Mass just before communion time. He would receive communion and make his Thanksgiving and go off to work. So I stopped him after Mass today and I said, look, I have a way for you to get a lot more grace and a lot more sleep because it was a 6.30 Mass. And he said, what's that? And I said, just come early to Mass, come on time for Mass once a week and receive a communion. And the rest of the week, sleep in. You'll get a lot more grace that way than if you go come and just receive communion at Mass every day. So I think he did that. So oh. Oh, it, it, Mass is just way, way up there. There's something about the liturgy that's... <clears throat> Uh, more powerful than just receiving the Eucharist. Exactly, because the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross in a, offered in an unbloody way. And there's nothing more powerful than that. That's, that's the most important thing ever to happen in the history of the world. Well, if we want to know the meaning of life, I think you're the man to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Now, I want to say something about women, okay? Mm -hmm. Because the, uh, the sexual revolution has hurt women more than men. Um, you know, women get pregnant. Men don't get pregnant. Uh, women uh, are more heart people. They're connected to their heart. So uh, it, 
that what happens is when a woman has sex with a man before marriage or any time, it produces oxytocin in her, which is a bonding chemical. And uh, so she feels bound. And it also produces oxytocin in the man, but testosterone in men blocks that oxytocin. So the man doesn't feel connected to the woman. So if one is, feels connected and the other is not connected, who's going to have the upper hand? Well, the man is going to have the upper hand. And that's what happened. And the feminists did a great job in identifying the problem, saying that men were treating women badly because they were able to, because the women had oxytocin and the men didn't. And uh, so I found a book um, maybe 10 or 15 years ago uh, written by a woman named Hephzibah Anderson. The name of her book was Chastened. And uh, what it was about is she was going to take a year after having presumably a great deal of sex of not having any sex. Uh, and uh, going out with men, but not having any sex with men. And this is what she wrote in her book. I love this. As soon as I went to bed with a man, I'd lose any clear sense of perspective. I had constantly mistaken casual hookups, hookups for rose-tinted beginnings. However uninvolved I started out, however uninvolved it seemed I was supposed to be, I could not remain cool-headed or cool-hearted as the temperature shot up. To admit as much felt like letting down the sisterhood. I knew that as a woman, my right to sexual expression was hard won. Yet that ideal seems to have been watered down to become intimacy without intimacy. While it is built as empowering to be able to love and leave a man like a man, to me it felt like I was denying a whole set of instinctive feminine responses, for, forcing myself to conform to decidedly masculine relationship ideals. And what a waste of energy all this weeping seemed. So here's a woman that um, has no apparent religious connection at all, uh, but giving us a natural law uh, argument for chastity. And when did you, you found that several years ago, and, yeah. and you've, you've held it, on to it. Yeah. It's, it's, revi it's in the revised, revised edition of the book. Okay. Uh, well, nice. And it's in the Christian Dating in a Godless World, and also uh, the revised edition of Christian Courtship in a Normal Sex World, but now they're the same, they're the same book. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, and then there's the section on what about past sins? People have, uh, you know, you're going to run into if, you, if you're dating these days, probably you're going to date someone who's had some serious sin right. already. Right. Yeah. Some of our most devout daily communicants have had, so, shall we say, colorful past. And uh, they asked me, you know, well, uh, what if my boyfriend asked me about my past i said well you can say you know i didn't always live up to the to the uh, the moral teaching of the, the, the gospel on chastity but i i was converted and now i want to live them perfectly and that's my goal and uh, what if he says well can you give me more detail i told him say no no detail because people ask for details and they can't handle it so just say, no, uh, I'm not going to give you details. I'm not going to give you the number of people. I'm not going to give you who it was or how long it lasted or any of that stuff. That's that's not necessary. Um, it could, could be even in a case of a woman that, that's really holy now, that she may have had an abortion in the past. And, um, you know, she can, uh, uh, she can allude to the fact that, you know, she didn't always live the gospel teaching and she, she made some huge mistakes. Uh, but uh, if he asks what the mistakes were, so, you know, I can't tell you exactly what the mistakes were, but just use your imagination. 
So yeah, it makes sense. I've come across in uh, just because I specialize in well, so I am a Catholic therapist, if that's not obvious. And so Catholics tend to come to me. So you could say I specialize in treating Catholics. And I've run into a certain kind of obsessive compulsive disorder where someone's not certain about their vocation uh, or they're not certain they're dating the right person, whether or not they should marry them. And, and But not just a normal uncertainty, but there's an obsessive quality. Yes. Uh, right? And, yes. And we see a lot of that nowadays. And that's why I actually have a book, a prayer in my book. Or the Christian single Christians saying, Lord, you know, I'm convinced that I'm just following in your way, and this is not an accident that I'm not married yet, so I'm going to stay with you and um, let the chips fall where they weigh, where they may. But you're the most important person in my life, and um, if I don't get married because of that, so be it. But you're always going to be the most important person in my life. Well, if you say that, you're going to be a much better candidate for marriage. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, you're you're helping yourself that way. But one woman said, um, when she heard that prayer, she said, well, Father, if, if I said that, I'd never get married. I said, but you become a saint, which is more important. <laughs> exactly. Putting it on perspective. Yeah. <clears throat> faith faith and trust is, is the answer. You know, it's Amen. have uncertainty. Is it, it, we'll never know for sure. Is it going to... Is this going to be a successful marriage or not? Will the other person divorce me? We'll, we'll never know. All you can, all we can do is have faith and trust in God. So I, I just and, love And that. use your head. And use your head. Be rational. And not do yeah. something stupid. Right. Exactly. Make a good choice. <laughs> you know, some people, they, um, they date people that are, you know, at the opposite uh, end of the spectrum from being devout. And they expect that to, to last. Well, you're taking a big chance when you do that. Yeah, that's. That, I think you're talking about the two poles, you know, or we are yeah. here. You know, one one is overly anxious and obsessing about when they have like a great potential spouse <clears throat> in front of them, and then the other one, they're not really using reason and not um, looking looking at the the qualities that are lacking. They should weed someone out in in their Instead, they're just trusting in God. Yeah, you know, it's like so an important to dating uh, an alcoholic or something like that. Exactly, people that have you know major hangups, you have to uh, avoid people like that. And uh, uh, if you're with with somebody that has a problem with alcohol or substance use, they got to go to AA, and they got to stick with it. And you got to take your time on that situation, on that relationship. But, uh, and that's another thing. I mean, people, you know, they tend to get married too quickly. Um, they want to get married. They've known somebody a year and they want to get married. Uh, uh, there actually was a study at Kansas State uh, where they found that uh, the divorce rate, and this, by the way, is in the book. It's in, it's in my book, but it's also in the book, uh, How to Avoid Marrying a Jerk by John Van Epp. And uh, the study showed that uh, those who dated two years or more, uh, as opposed to those who dated under two years before marriage, um, they had half the divorce rate of those who dated under two years before getting married. So, you know, it's, it's, you got to take your time. Yeah. And I don't care. I, you know, people say, well, a woman says, well, I got, you know, I got my clock that I have to worry about. Uh, and um, 
I say, forget the clock, throw it out the window. Uh, don't worry about that. Um, the important thing is you got to get the, the, the marriage right, first of all. And you can always, you can always adopt. My nephew and, and his wife, they, they both adopted a couple of children so far. And they're very happy with them. Yeah. And adoption is uh, a good option. Yeah, it seems like some people get stuck on um, carrying on the family, you know, gene pool or something like that. But that that's that can be kind of ego-based, I think, rather than God-based. Yeah. That should be number 27 on the list of important things. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And now I was talking to one girl, and she was dating a guy. Um, and the, the, what happens is that when people convert and really want to live for Christ, and really want to live the Catholic faith, well, they, they can't just uh, stick with the friends that they've had before because they're going to pull them in a different direction. Now, they can still keep their friend, but they need to find a lot of new friends that are going to support them in living the faith. And the problem is that some people, they, they, they clue in to the Catholic faith. They want to live it, but they still have their old friends. And they haven't developed any new friends. And uh, so that's one thing I tell them is that you got to develop some new friends uh, if, you, if you're going to be able to live the faith. And also, another point that is not in my book, but it's in um, Van Epp's book on uh, how to avoid marrying a jerk, is that you got to look at how this person treats his or her mother, his or her father, their sisters, their brothers, uh, their waiter, the dog, whatever, they got to see how they treat others. And uh, if they don't treat others well, uh, other members of the family, that's a big red flag as to whether they're going to treat the spouse well. Because as you know, if you've done marriage counting, and I know you have, um, familiarity does breed contempt. There's no way around it. When you're close to somebody for a long time, the problems come up. And, uh, you know, you look over and you sometimes say, wow, uh, I don't like this person. But then you realize that you made a commitment to love the person and you pursue that love. And if you pursue that love, then the attraction builds again. But uh, so uh, it, it's important to meet somebody that, that, that has been able to have a good relationship with their family, uh, because that's an indication of how good they're going to be with their spouse. I'm going to shift gears here. Uh do you have any advice for someone, and this isn't really from the book or anything, but I'm just thinking about all the sing single listeners out there. And some of them are just trying to figure out, am I called to the religious life or am I called to marriage? And they might not know whether to, you know, go to the seminary or to date or can I can they still date when they're in the seminary or, you know, all these kinds of things. What kind of advice do you have for them? Okay, well... Um... First of all, if somebody is uh, on the fence, they don't know which one to do, and they're in a position to date good people, then I have pro no problem with them dating uh, at that point uh, because they're still asking, what do you want me to do, Lord? And um, I dated, uh, you know, until I was uh, 33 years old, and I didn't feel the slightest pull toward this, uh, becoming a priest at that time. And um, But when I did feel the pull, it was strong, and I was ready to go. But um, so I, I do recommend somebody that's in that on the fence is to date, be, be free with dating, but also be praying for their vocation. I prayed for almost three years 
that God would show me my vocation, which I knew was to get married, and I was very mistaken. Um, but uh, at the end of those two and a half years, uh, he showed me what he wanted, and I was vague enough in my prayer that that was, the, that was a good option, and so uh, I went with it. But a lot of these folks are going to pray uh, for the right spouse and pray. Uh, even some people recommend they fast for their future spouse. Ephesians 5, I think, is on the Internet uh, where you can go and, and see how you can, you can fast, uh, do fasting and prayer for your future spouse. But have that in mind and, and make it very spiritual uh, to, uh, to keep this, you know, to, to, to work on. on and, and don't, don't compromise. Um, I recommend people that have um, high standards and don't lower your standards. But uh, moderate expectations. Uh, you're not going to, you know, marry uh, uh, Teresa of Avila or somebody like her. It's uh, not likely to happen. Uh, although I'm sure she would have made a wonderful wife. <laughs> what what standards? So these high standards. What are, you know, what are there five of them or like what are the standards? Yeah. Well, okay. Well, you want to marry somebody that's that uh, is regular going to mass. Uh, regular going, regularly going to confession, regularly praying every day, at least 10 or 15 minutes, maybe more. Um, that, uh, again, as I said, that they they uh, treat their family members well. Um, they, they, uh, they don't have any major hang-ups. One girl, um, she, the guy she was dating, it turned out he was an alcoholic. And I said, well, why didn't you postpone the wedding? You know, now you're, you actually knew it before you got married. Uh, she said, well, I didn't, I didn't want to, you know, put it off or whatever. But that was a mistake because um, if an al a person's an alcoholic, uh, they need to be going to Alcoholics Anonymous and, and going regularly for a long time and plan to go for an even longer time. Uh, there was a woman in our parish years ago who was going to AA, I don't know, two or three nights a week. And she... Um, and she has been married five or 10, 15 years, but I think she's still going to AA. So uh, people have to realize that if somebody has a drug problem, that's a big red flag. And they got to work on that and get that straightened out immediately. They have a, a, a drinking problem, but we just talked about that. And then also if they're gamblers, you know, some people do, they are gamblers and they, they have a gam gambling uh, addiction. So it's all these addictions. That you got to worry about. The one of the nicest movies I've seen on marriage is um, *Fireproof* by uh, a Baptist um, uh, parish in uh, Albany, Georgia. And one of the things in in the uh, in the uh, recommendation of the father to the son is, well, if you have any addictions, you got to get rid of them. Well, the son in the in, in the in the movie had an addiction to pornography. So that's another issue. If somebody's, if a man is, or, or a woman, but mostly men, but now more and more women, I think a third of the pornography users are women now. But if somebody's addicted to pornography, that's a big red flag. They got to take care of that, get it straightened out right away. And um, there, if a man has a problem with this, he needs to tell his girlfriend. He needs to work on it. He you knows needs to go to SA, Sexaholics Anonymous, and he needs to. Uh, pray a lot and get the confession. And um, there have been situations, there's actually stories of uh, 
couples where the guy was addicted and um, the wife said, you got to get it straightened out or, you know, it's off. And um, so he, he got very serious about fixing it. He, got, he went for therapy. He um, got into a support group and an SA group. And Sexcolics Anonymous, by the way, are the one, that's the one group that has the same criterion for chastity as we do as Christians. So no, no sexual activity, no masturbation, none of that stuff. Um, it, it, it's all out. And uh, so this one guy that I was reading about, he actually uh, was able to go on the wagon and do very well. Uh, I, I do have another book uh, entitled Achieving Chastity in a Pornographic World. And um, that is available uh, on the internet, but it's also available for download at uh, this website, uh, AchieveChastity.com. AchieveChastity.com. They can download that book free. And it's all about chastity and all the different situations, homosexual situations too, uh, and uh, masturbation and all of this stuff. Because be, with the internet, this issue of pornography and all of that is a huge, huge problem in our world. Huge problem. And uh, so we find people that are, are dealing with this in, in, in many other areas in their life, they're doing well. But in this area, no, they're not doing well. But there are ways to work on it. So with you being a priest, you know, and people confess right. sins to you, and I know you can't break the seal of confession, but you, you get to see who's getting better with, you know, sins against chastity and who's kind of stuck in it. And have you seen that? Have you referred people to this resource uh, in confession and seen them get better? Or, or do you talk to them after? Or how, how do you go about that? Yeah, I actually give a little card out. Uh, that has our website on it so they can download the book free. But also I have another card that I give them uh, and the title uh, on one side of the card is The Truth About Chastity. And it's all the reasons why it's better to be chaste. Um, you know, I want to treat sexuality as something sacred, not trivialize it. I want to honor this other person. I want to live by reason and not be controlled by my urges. I want to keep my relationship with God. All of these things uh, they read about them, and I say, you go, I want you to read this card f three or four times every day for anywhere from six months to a year. And if you really believe it, what you're doing is you're converting your heart. Your mind says, I don't want to do this. My heart says, I got to have it. So you convert the heart, as John Paul II says in Love and Responsibility, by reminding yourself of the values gained by chast chastity. And uh, eventually you graft those values onto your appetite so that uh, you you convert your your uh, your appetite. You convert your heart. So if your heart and your mind are going in the same direction, there's no conflict, and that's what chastity is about. Self control is good in the meantime, because you have a battle and you win. But chastity is where you're so convinced in every fiber of your being that this is not going to make you happy. This unchaste stuff that um, you don't even you don't even have a struggle. And I've seen that happen in, in a lot of a lot of people. One man told me he was, uh, he used pornography every day, every day. And now he falls maybe three or four times a year. So um, and maybe it may be that in another year or two, he won't fall at all. And that, that's what we want to be. I love that. Where can people get these cards? Um, they can get them on our website. Um, it's, um, I forget, I think resources and 
under cards, uh, under fate or whatever, or uh, leaflets. And um, I think that cards are very inexpensive, like $10 a hundred or something like that. We don't charge uh, shipping anymore. So uh, everything is much more accessible. But uh, also what's on the card is in my book that they can download from the internet, Achieving Chastity in a Pornographic World. When you came out here to speak, uh, I, I took donations at the door, and uh, that helped pay for your your flight. And I've always I felt guilty all these years because we we I didn't give you a stipend or anything, you know. Sent you. No, no, no I don't, I'm, I'm not into that. For yeah, that. And I know you do it. I have known. I have come to realize that in our ministry, the more things we give away, like in confession. I give books away in confession, all right? Several of my books, depending on what the person mentions. And I buy 20 copies of uh, Fireproof at a time to give out in confession uh, here and there. So I, we found that uh, the more things we gave away, uh, the more donations we received. So uh, it's not an issue, not an issue. And if people tell me, you know, that we want you to come and speak, what's your fee? I say, I don't have a fee. Just make a donation to our, our ministry and then whatever you want, whatever you want. That's all. Where can people do this? Do you have a foundation or something along those lines? Yeah, it's, it's catholicfaithalive.com. And there's actually a, a, something on the website where people can make a donation. Um, so, yeah. Um, but our, our, the prices of our books are a little lower on our website than you will find in um, uh, on the regular um, book uh, websites uh, for purchasing. So we try to keep the prices low. And also we say, if somebody can't afford something, let us know. We'll try to provide it for you free. Well, that's all we have time for today. Uh, Father Thomas Morrow, thank you for joining us and giving us some direction on Christian dating. I'm licensed marriage and family therapist, Thomas Schmier, and you've been listening to the Healing and Peace Show. The Healing and Peace Show is available on my Facebook page, my YouTube channel, and on various podcast sites like iTunes. You can find links to my social media sites and find out more about my therapy services at healingandpeace.com. Uh, I offer Catholic individual and family life coaching services worldwide, and my license as a marriage and family therapist allows me to do therapy in six different states in a few countries. I have a master's degree in moral theology, and I believe in all of the teachings of the Catholic Church. If you'd like to know when new episodes of the show are released or when I post new blog articles, uh, just sign up for my email newsletter at healingandpeace.com. Until next time, may God bless you with healing and peace. <laughs>